Would you turn with me, please, to John, the 14th chapter this morning? In John 14 and 21, we've been studying this for some weeks now. Let's look, and I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified. John 14, 21, Jesus said, The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, and will show myself to him, or reveal or manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him, and make myself real to him. Does that bless you? Do you like the sound of that? You know, that is the preeminent hunger and desire of all human beings, whether they acknowledge it or not, is they want to experience the reality of God. Even people who claim to be atheists and say there is no God, agnostics, I'm not sure if there is, I don't know if there is a God, they don't believe in it. But in their heart... You know, the moment somebody dies, they're not an atheist anymore. They're not an agnostic anymore. There are no atheists in hell. There are no agnostics in hell. And the hunger in the hearts, even of people that blaspheme God and talk against God in their heart, they want to know that God is real. They want to see evidence and they want to experience and know the reality of God. Well, here is the answer. Jesus said, you do this, and I will reveal myself to you. I will make myself known to you. I'll show myself to you. I'll make myself real to you. Man, that ought to excite us. We ought to get glory to God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Right? Do what? What do we do? Basically, do what he says. Right? By his word, by his spirit, do what he says. And if you read the whole passage, he went on to say, the person that doesn't do what I say is the person who doesn't love me. People don't like it that clear, but that's just the way it is. If we love him, we do what he says. If we don't do what he says, then it's obvious we love something else more. If we're going to ignore him and do something else, well, then we love ourselves more. We love something else more than we love him. That's a big problem. That's why that there are so many empty seats available in so many churches all over the country this morning. Why? Because people love something else more. Right? Then they love him. And because of that, God's not real to them. He's not revealing himself to them. He's not showing himself to them. But how many believe the people that love him and act on his words and do what he says... Do you believe what Jesus said, that they are going to experience God and come to know God like other people do not? And it's not because God is playing favorites and picking and choosing. Anybody could love him. Anybody could obey him. Anybody could believe him. And if and when they do, revelation of him. Back up to the 11th chapter, if you would, please. We've been talking for some weeks 
on the subject of the glory of God. The glory of God. This account in John 11 is of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And the Bible, here in this passage, they are standing out there at the tomb. Be like standing out in the cemetery. John eleven thirty nine. Jesus said, take away the stone. That'd be like saying, dig them up. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, said I not to you? That if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you'd believe, you'll see the glory of God. Well, did they believe on this occasion? How did you know they believed? What's the next thing that happened? They acted on it. They rolled the stone away. Right? See, faith without action is dead, dead faith. Dead faith gets no results. Living faith acts on what it believes. You believe it, so you act on it. He said, I told you, if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. Did they believe? Yeah, they did. How do we know they believed? They acted. Did they see the glory of God that day? Yes, they did. In what? In Lazarus being raised from the dead and healed. Right? I mean, if he hadn't got healed, he'd have died again or whatever killed him the first time. And the body that had been decomposing already was miraculously restored. Miracle. Healing. Now, they saw the glory of God in a man being raised up and healed. Now, we began talking about this last week and let's go on. In talking about the glory of God, you know, if you've been here through the whole thing with us, you know, we went back... And we looked in Exodus and we looked in other places and saw the manifestation of the presence of God, that God would be manifested as a cloud, a bright cloud would come and people could see the glory of God. A pillar of fire would be manifest. Sometimes fire would fall out of the sky and consume the sacrifices. Sometimes the glory of God and power was so strong that people couldn't stand up. They'd fall out under the power. Or they couldn't enter into the tabernacle at certain times because it was just like a wall. The glory of God is real. And so many times when you talk about the glory of God, people only think about that. They only think about seeing the glory cloud or seeing the pillar of fire. But that's a very limited concept of the glory of God being revealed. On this day, you'd have to add to the scripture to say they saw a cloud, right? Or that they saw fire. No, but did they see the glory of God? Yes, Yes, they did. They saw the glory of God in a man being healed and raised up. Jesus said, didn't I tell you, if you'd believe, you would see the glory of God. So last week we began to camp on this, the works of God. Glorify God. The works of the devil glorify the devil. Stealing and killing and destroying doesn't glorify God. Contrary to what some preachers have said. Stealing and killing and destroying glorifies the one who did it. Glorifies the enemy, the thief. 
Well, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The works of life glorify the author of life. The works of God glorify God. Now, in talking about this, our whole life is to be a series of manifestations of God's glory through us so that others see him in us. Turn over, you're there in uh, John. But in John, let's see the 15th chapter. John 15, 7. He said, if you abide in me, you live in me. And my words abide in you. This is John 15, 7. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. Herein, in this, is my Father, what? Glorified. How? That you bear much fruit. Fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Well, what kind of fruit? Well, you could say, and another way of saying this, is this is glory fruit. Right? Manifestations of God's glory in our life. And we're supposed to have a lot of it. Right? Evidences of God's reality in our life. But we mustn't overemphasize the spectacular. Because during this time, we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. And it really is spiritually immature to always clamor to want to see something with your eyes. You know, people, sometimes they get to praying and even fasting. They want to have a vision. They want to see an angel. They want to hear the audible voice of God. Well, I want to see the glory cloud. Well, we all do. But we're called to walk by faith right now. Which means most of the time we're not going to see stuff. I'm talking about manifestations of the actual presence of God or angels or or audible voices. But that doesn't mean we can't see the glory of God. Are you with me now? This is really important. God is a God of signs and wonders. And I believe we're living in days where we're going to see some more signs and wonders. But... Don't be an immature one who's always clamoring and pushing and pushing. I want to see something. I want to see God. I want to see Jesus. I want to see an angel. I want to hear the voice of God. Watch out. Watch out. You can press too hard in these areas and you can see some stuff. And that doesn't mean it's God. Yeah, but it was real. It was just spiritual. It may be. That don't make it God. It can be spiritual, it can be just as real, then doesn't make it God. No, the just shall live by faith. When you walk by faith, you don't see. Right? Just shall live by faith, just shall walk by faith. And if the Lord wants to manifest in some spectacular ways, glory to God, yeah. But... We don't have to wait for that and we don't clamor and think we don't have God moving if we don't see the glory cloud. Because they saw the glory of God when a man was healed. 
and raised up. Numerous times if we were so inclined, you go through it sometime if you want to see. Look in the gospel accounts how many times it says that the deaf were healed and the blind were healed and the lepers were healed. Sometimes it says the maimed were healed and the people glorified God. What? Did they see the glory of God? Yeah, and they didn't see a cloud, and they didn't hear a voice, and they didn't see an angel, but they saw the glory of God. And it moved people to come and believe. Well, that's our call. That's your call and my call. We're to have the glory of God revealed in our life, in our peace, in our freedom, in our health, in our prosperity, in our family. In our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. So that people see. They didn't see a cloud. They didn't hear a voice. But they saw the reality of God. In you. And when it keeps happening. And keeps happening. And keeps happening. After a while. People just have to go. There's got to be something to that. Look at them. I know they're not that smart to figure that out for themselves. It's got to be something to that. How do they do it? How does it keep happening? Well, they see the glory of God. They see the reality. They see something beyond you. Something beyond me. And you know, as a church, if we'll keep this in our sight, we'll continue to be blessed and increase. Right? What do you mean, Brother Keith? I mean that our desire is for God to be glorified in this church. And when people see us or they hear about us, you know, I want them to say, that's got to be God. Right? Because Keith and Phyllis and all those people, they're not that smart. They're just country folks. They're just this. They're just that. They didn't have all that money. They didn't have all. Where did it come from? How'd they do all that? Hmm? Right? Right? And when we keep it like that, we'll just keep getting stronger and stronger and more blessed. Amen? There'll be no end to it. We'll just go on and on and on. Why? Because it is God's will to get glory to himself and to manifest himself and reveal himself in the earth through us. Through us. He said, herein is my father glorified that what? That you bear much fruit. Now go with me over to Romans 4, please. Let's just agree in prayer a little bit further here. Father, we just agree together as touching this thing, asking and believing for further utterance and anointing and illumination and enlightenment. Reveal this to us that we may be vessels that you could manifest yourself through fully and strongly that you might be greatly seen in us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 4. Abraham, you know, called the father of faith. You know, when he was, it seemed hopeless, like the passage says here in Romans 4, though all hope was gone, what that meant is there's no reason to expect for him to expect to father a child, for his wife to expect to conceive. She couldn't conceive as a young woman. Now they're in their 90s. But they expected anyway. That's what faith does, you know. It may look like it's too late. It's too late. Too far gone. Faith keeps expecting. 
I don't care if a hundred doctors told you. It's too late. It's too far gone. It's in the 99th stage. It's too late. You know what faith will do? Faith expects to get better. Did you hear me? I thank God for good doctors and nurses. I do. Without them, a lot of us wouldn't be here today. Thank God. They're a blessing gift of God. But there is an area where I take issue with some doctors and nurses and health professionals. And that is they get out of their place and try to tell people what to expect. And that they can't expect certain things. Well, they're out of their expertise. Tell me about the body. Tell me about medicine. Don't tell me what to believe. You're not qualified to tell me what to believe. Did you hear me? Because they know in their own self, if they've been practicing very long, they know they got people there that should have been dead three years ago that went back to work. And people that should have recovered that the body's in the cemetery. Right? Anybody that's honest admits they don't have all the answers to these things. Why? Because there's more to it than just the natural. There's the spiritual. And thank God for faith. Even when everything says it can't happen... Faith expects anyway. Even though it seems like all hope is gone, it looks like it's too late. You're going to lose everything you got. I mean, you might as well just forget it. You might as well just accept it. That's enemy talk. That's devil talk. You might as well just accept it. What does that mean? What's another way of saying that? You might as well give up. You might as well admit it's impossible. God can't fix it. Well, I'm not going to admit that. Because it's not true. God can do anything. All things are possible to him that believes. God can take a hopeless case and make it into a testimony of his glory. Can you say amen? I've seen it too many times. I had the privilege of working in healing school with Brother Kenneth Hagin for, I don't know, 13, 14 years. And uh, I don't know at the times we saw cases. Well, they're given up to die, hopeless, terminal. And case after case after case, alive today, years later, doing fine. Well, why aren't they dead? Everything said they couldn't make it. It's spread all over. It's in every gland. It's in your liver. It's in your brain. I'm thinking of a guy right now. Had a so-called inoperable brain tumor. And nobody would touch it. And he got worse and worse and worse. He came to healing school. We laid hands on him. Cursed that thing. Commanded it to die from the roots. Hmm? Now see, before you can do that, you got to know God didn't put that there. you got to know it's not God's will for that thing to be in that man's head. Is God putting tumors on his people? Is God putting cancer and AIDS, no, 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 no. It's not him. So we can resist it. We can fight against it. Now, you know, if you really believed that that sickness was from God, you shouldn't even go to the doctor for it. I said, if you really believe something's from God, see, people are, uh, they're hypocrites. They get mad. Some people get mad. Somebody like me for saying it's God's will to heal them. But then if something gets wrong with them, they run to the doctor. Right? Well, now, hold on, hold on. I thought you said sometimes it's not God's will. Well, which time is this? 
Right? If it's not, did you even pray about this? Well, no, they didn't. Did you pray it before you went to the doctor? Because if the Lord put this on you, and you go to the doctor and try to get rid of it, then you and the doctor are fighting the will of God. You're trying to get out of the will of God. It's hypocrisy. People only believe that dumb stuff on church pews. They don't believe it in life. Don't even make sense. No, if you're hurting, everybody knows you want to quit hurting. Right? Till they get to church. And then God's ways are mysterious and you just never know. No. How many know God is smart? God is not confused. People are confused. God's a good God. His will has never changed. Do you want to see God's perfect will? Go back to the book of Genesis. Right? I mean, don't turn there right now. But in the very beginning, that's how he made everything. Right? There was no pain. There was no sickness. There was no poverty. There was no lack. There was no mental oppression and torment. There was no death. Nothing died. Not even a flower. Did you hear me? That's God's perfect will. And what happened as a result of sin and the work of the devil later that affects us now is not an improvement on God's creation. And it's not God didn't change his mind. And soon and very soon we're going to see everything restored to the way it was back then. Aren't you glad? Woo, glory to God. Revelation says no more pain. No more crying. No more sorrow. No more dying. No more. None. None. No more cemeteries. No more hospitals. No more mental institutions. No more bankruptcy. Nothing. No more wrinkles. No more weight problems. No more. Won't that be great? And it's very soon. It won't be long. Won't be long. So what about between now and then? Between now and then, it's God's will that he be manifested in us and through us so that others that don't believe in him would see his reality in us and see his goodness in us. And that goodness would turn them and lead them to repentance. Can you say amen? Amen. Said out loud, Lord, Lord, get glory to yourself in us. Hallelujah. In Romans 4, we talked about the life of faith. And just look at it again. In Romans 4, in verse 20, Abraham, Romans 4, 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? He didn't waver about it. See, when you're strong in faith, you're not wavering. You're not, well, I don't know. I I thought it was God's will, but I don't know. I don't know. You can't be in faith like that. He didn't stagger. He didn't waver. You got to be persuaded and you got to stand on it. It is God's will for me to be free. And he was persuaded it was God's will for them to have a child. And he didn't care how old he was. He didn't care how old Sarah was. He didn't care if all hope was gone from the natural. Didn't make any difference to him. God had told him that he's going to have a son. And so that's it. And he keeps on expecting. And he didn't waver. And he didn't wonder. He didn't have a week or two that he thought it might not be working. Did you hear me? 
How many know you do not have to have bad days where you lose your confidence? And, you know, I bless people's hearts. They just are so weak so many times. You know, people talk about, well, I pray for me. My, I'm losing my faith. Pray for me. You know, I just, well, it does no good to pray about something that you already know but are unwilling to do. Did you hear me? Whether you're praying about it or whether I'm praying about it, there is so much wasted motion in prayer in these areas. People come and they say, well, I know I need to change. Y'all pray for me. For what? What is there to pray for when you know what to do and just won't do it? What are we going to pray about? Well, pray that God would make me do it. He's not going to. That's not his nature. It's not his will. Not going to happen. Did you hear me? There are people that try to portray that. I've had preachers sometimes want to argue with me. Oh, you just watch. Boy, God, get ready for you to do it. Bless God. You'll do it. No, you won't. No, sir. No, ma'am. God does not force people to do things. If he was going to force anybody to do anything, he'd force everybody on the planet that's lost and going to hell to get saved. If he's going to do anything, that's what he'd do. And if he doesn't do that, if he allows somebody to plunge into hell, which is completely contrary to his will, then he's certainly going to allow people to do other lesser things that are not his will. No, no. And so it's just people play church games and religious games. Well, y'all pray for me that I'll do this or that. Well, what do you mean? Do you know you're supposed to do it? Yeah. Can you do it? Well, sure you can. Do it. Then what is there to pray about? Are you with me now, friends? This is important. You know, so many times people use this phrase improperly. Lord, help me. Lord, help me do this. Lord, so many times what they mean is, Lord, do it. (laughs) Lord, do it for me. Well, no, there's so many things that the Lord is not going to do for you. He's not going to make you do. If you will give him something to work with, he will help you. But you've got to give him something to bless. Got to give him something to help. It's like, you know, if I was laying at the house on the sofa and I asked you to come by and help me move the piano. And you show up, and I'm laying there with a glass of iced tea, and I say, yeah, fellas, there it is right there. Uh, Go ahead and move it. Am I really wanting you to help me? No. What do I want? Well, then why did I say help me? Right? Help means I'm going to do something. And you're going to assist me. I'm going to take my strength and put it against the weight of the piano, and you're going to come add your strength to it. Well, see... So many times people holler, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, you know, get my finances straightened out. Lord, help me get, well, he would help you if you give him something to help. Well, I, you know, y'all pray for me that I'll quit overspending. Who's making you overspend? Y'all pray for me. You know, I ate four pies last night and and I don't want that extra weight, but y'all pray for me. For what? Why? See, if there's something you can do 
and you know to do it, then to pray about it is vain. Did you hear me now? I know some people don't know if they like that or not, but hey, if you're not going to be a doer of the word, you're just playing. You're just playing. And the only people that get results in life are the doers. The doers. How many doers do I have in here this morning? Now, come on, help me out. Everybody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Not just a talker. Not a whiner. Not a pretender. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. If you are now, you'll be blessed. Your life will change if you're a doer. Go with me, please, to First uh, Timothy, the third chapter. And I'd like the Amplified, if somebody has that, please. Amplified, I'm reading, and you read whatever you got. God is glorified in a godly life. Isn't he? Don't wait till you see the glory cloud or the pillar of fire to say that, well, you know, now we've seen the glory of God. God is to be glorified in the fruit of his reality in your life. Now, I want to read this. These are qualifications for ministers, but so much of it applies to us across the board. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified because it does just that. And it brings up some words that I want us to think about. 1 Timothy 3, 1. He said, the saying is true and irrefutable. If any man seeks the office of bishop or overseer, he desires an excellent task or work. Now, a bishop or an overseer, must give no grounds for accusation, but must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, circumspect, temperate, and self-controlled. He must be sensible. Must have some sense. And be well-behaved and dignified. Did you hear that word? Everybody say dignified. And lead an orderly, disciplined life. He must be hospitable, showing love for and being a friend to the believers. Goes on to say he must be capable and a qualified teacher. Not given to wine. Not combative. But gentle and considerate, not quarrelsome, but forbearing and peaceable, not a lover of money, insatiable for wealth and ready to obtain it by questionable means. You know, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. What did it say? The love of it. And having a desire to increase and be strong and wealthy is a godly thing. But being willing to obtain it by any means is ungodly. Right? And so uh, you've heard me say this before, but it's so important. It's not what you have. What is it? It's how you got it. How did you get it? Makes all the difference. You know, there's some things that just are not right. There's been funds that were available to me in different times that I refused. There's been times I've returned offerings. I've sent them back. 
because it just wasn't right. Did you hear me? And that's not just for preachers now. There'll be things in your life. Did you hear me? Business deals and sales and situations where you know in your heart this is not right. And the thing is, maybe you're believing for something. Maybe you're needing it and it looks like, well, there it is. There's the money. But in your heart, you know, uh-uh, this is not right. This is not the way. And you've got to pass it by and refuse it to pass the test. To qualify for God's best. And you watch it. If you'll pass the test, right on the heels of that will come the real blessing. You won't lack. You won't want. He said, you know. Ready to obtain it by questionable means. You must not be like that. He must rule his own household well. Keeping his children under control. With true dignity. Commanding their respect in every way. And keeping them respectful. Now what are we talking about here this morning? The glory of God. And when people see in a world. Full of ungodliness. In a world full of youth and children that have no respect and no discipline. When they see your children respectful and dignified and disciplined. What are they seeing? They are seeing the glory of God. They are seeing the reality of God. They'll go, well I thought this was all a thing of the past. Your child look at them and say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And mean it. Not a bunch of put on. Not a bunch of junk. Discipline. Know when to be quiet. Did you hear me? I said, well, that's, Brother Keith, that's from another day and era. It's from another generation. It's from the Bible. Which is for all generations. And I insist that we have it. Did you hear me? I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to say more about it. All of our representatives. All of our parking lot people. And all of our ushers. And all of our children's workers. And everybody that greets our guests. And everybody that has anything to do. Is going to be respectful. And dignified. Did you hear me now? And disciplined. God honoring and people honoring. We've had some of this already. We've just gotten all kind of good reports. You've heard them. Phyllis has read many of them. People that come visit and they go, man, you people treated us so nice. And oh, glory to God. They usually say it. Glory to God. Right? Because this is bigger than us. People act undisciplined and undignified and disrespectful when they have no faith. Nothing is precious. Nothing is important. So they don't make a big deal out of anything. Everything's common and all y'all just come. Yeah, bring your tater chips in. It ain't a big deal. Yeah, pull your shoes off and clip your nails. We just all comfortable around here. Well, we should be comfortable, but not undignified. Did you hear me? And not disrespectful. There's a time and a place for things. Right? I understand church Sunday morning is not the place to wash your hair. Everybody should know that. There's a time and a place to wash your hair. This is not it. 
Well, that's true about many, many other things. It's not the time. It's not the place. And the sad thing is that we've got third generation now people that have not been taught these things. Their parents didn't teach them and their parents' parents didn't teach them. But the Bible's still here. And the Holy Ghost is here. Our teacher is here. He'll reveal these things to us. He'll show us. And it is through this that God will get glory to himself. Now, some charismatics and some word and faith people have come short in this area. They've hollered about God getting glory in seeing a healing. And he does. They've hollered about God getting glory in seeing some prosperity in their life. And he does. But that can, you can have a healing and you can have some prosperity, but no discipline and no respect and no honor and no dignity. Loose and slouchy and lax in your mind and your words and every other way. And it'll turn people off of God. They'll think that they don't want to be like that. And, and they think if that's what being a Christian is like, they don't want that, but it's not. The reason why he emphasizes this bishop here is a pastor to pastors. Somebody who oversees other ministers. And this is supposed to trickle down. Why is he talking about this so much? Your marriage has got to be right. You can't be working on your ninth wife. Why? Because if you can't stick it out and make it work with your wife, how are you going to stick it out and make it work with the church? How are you going to teach these other people? It's just the principle. If you're a quitter, you're a quitter. Did you hear me? Your children have to be respectful. And your life has to be disciplined. You can't be a drunkard and you can't be a glutton. And you can't be somebody that smacks people around. A hitter and a fighter and combative. Why? Because everything produces after its own kind. That's why. Like the pastor, so the people. Like the daddy and mama, so the kids. Are you with me now? Everything produces after its own kind. Whatever example you set the people, that's what's going to be. Let's keep reading this. I want to back up and read it again. Verse 2. Now a bishop. And this trickles down. That would include every pastor. That would include every head of every household. It's just headship principle. Must give no grounds for accusation, but must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, circumspect, temperate, self-controlled. He must be sensible and well-behaved and dignified. And lead an orderly, disciplined life. He must be hospitable. Verse 3, not given to wine, not combative. But gentle and considerate, not quarrelsome, but forbearing and peaceable, not a lover of money. Verse 4, he must rule his own household well. You know, you hear parents sometimes say, you know, I got a three-year-old or I got a five-year-old. I can't do a thing with them. They just terrorize the whole house. There's a reason why children have parents. You're supposed to tell them what to do. And make them do it. Now that's the part people have missed. Say that out loud with me. Make them them do it. it. (laughs) I said, well, I told them to be quiet, but they won't. Make them do it. I told them to sit up the table and act right, but they keep throwing food on the refrigerator. (laughs) There's no excuse for that. 
Make them do it. Are you with me now? Other people do. I said other people do. It depends on what your priorities are and what your values are. I've traveled all over the country and other countries. And I've seen people that had one child. And the child just ruined everybody's day. Did you hear me? One little child. I'm talking about pastors now. Nobody could talk for the child screaming. Couldn't have certain things happen. You couldn't let the child participate in anything. Everything was disrupted. And the will of God affected. Did you hear me? There were supposed to be conversations going on. There were supposed to be things happening. And, you know, parents and dads and moms not even paying attention to what they should be paying attention to. Because this child is taking every waking moment and they're fatigued and worn out. It's not supposed to be that way. And I've been to places where that the pastors had seven kids. Seven. Little ones. Middle-sized ones. And boy, when it was time for church, poop, they lined up like little ducks. <laughs> Piled up in the van. I rode to church with them and back. One of them started saying something they shouldn't. And mom said, shh, no. And they went, and that was it for the rest of the ride. <laughs> did you hear me? Now you boys sit down there and play. And they did quiet. Now you see something else here too. This particular group I'm thinking about, we're coming back from the service now. And the daddy, he asked, you know, three or four of the boys was in the very back row there. And he asked them, he said, uh, he called one of the little ones, uh, four years old, I think. He said, uh, because they wanted to stay in the service and hear Brother Key speak, they said. So he let them. And they were quiet. They sit there and looked. He said, uh, called his name. He said, what did you get out of Brother Keith's message today? He began to tell me. And he went on and on. And I thought, glory to God. I mean, he really got it. This is no accident. The discipline and the revelation, did you hear me? Goes hand in hand. Because what? Them learning to show respect for mom and daddy and guest speaker and the house and the church translates right over to showing respect to the word of God. Showing respect to God. Can you see this? How important this is. And those who don't show respect to mom and daddy and teacher and coach and don't show respect to school and house and church, then neither will they respect the word of God. Neither will they respect God himself. It's just the way it is. Must be. Verse 4. Must rule his own household well. Who's in charge? The three-year-old? Some houses they are. Everything revolves around them. Right? If they're having a bad day, everybody's having a bad day. Now, there's some things you have to deal with. And I understand that some things, you know, are not comfortable. But there's no excuse for, you know, things monopolizing the household and wearing everybody out because somebody's pitching a fit. And you hear people, you know, quote it like it's a scripture. Well, I tell you what, too, now, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. 
That ain't a verse. Hmm? Mama better get happy. Get over it. How many understand there is no excuse for sulking and pouting and all that kind of stuff? No, that's completely unspiritual, carnal. He said must rule his own household well, keeping his children under control with true dignity. There's that word again, dignity. You'll find this word is associated with the glory of God. Everybody say dignity. dignity. Say it again. Dignity. dignity. Say it again. Dignity. dignity. Now this is not talking about pompousness. This is not talking about pride. This is not talking about haughtiness. But dignity. It's akin to the word that's translated glory that means weighty. Weighty. Things are important. So we treat them like they're important. Right? Which means we treat them with respect and dignity. Dignity. We could have little cheap flowers up here. And just three or four of them instead of all these. Huh? But I, don't you like this better? Yeah. We could have saved money on the pulpit. For what? Huh? Like Brother Copeland, he and I were having lunch one time. We were doing some TV on a break. And we got talking about some of these things. And he said, you know, people are always talking about saving money. They're going to save money on the church stuff. Save money by buying the cheaper carpet. Save money by doing this. Save money. Save money. And Brother Copeland said, the Lord asked him one time. He said, when am I going to see all this money that they're saving for me? No, if they were saving it for him, then they'd spend it on him. Right? They would be spending it on him. Where does that money that people save for him, where's it at? When can we use it? We could use cardboard communion containers. It'd save us some money. But is it about saving money? Or should certain things be treated with the appropriate dignity? Now this is something the Lord has put on my heart. And we've touched on it here and there. But I'm asking you. I've asked you already. But I'm asking you again. Believe with me. To get this out. The Lord has charged me some months ago. Teach and demonstrate and get out. The glory of God's things. And when we treat them differently, we're obeying him. And that's when he said he's going to manifest himself to us. He's going to show up. Do you think the Holy Ghost is going to manifest in a place that don't respect him? That don't appreciate him? That treats the word like it's unimportant? That treats the holy things of God like they're not a big deal? No, no. God's going to manifest where people revere him. Where people hang on his every word. Right? And anytime he does something, we make a big deal out of it. And everybody knows, from the least one to the eldest, everybody knows the things of God are holy. They're to be respected. They're to be treated with proper dignity. Everybody. 
And it begins with your little ones in the class when they know the teacher stands up and they don't keep yelling and talking and screaming and carrying on. Oh, the teacher's up. The teacher's reading the Word of God. You don't have to be 15 years old to understand that. Little bitty ones can understand that. The Word's being read. Be quiet. Listen. Show respect. Right? How many understand when you live like that, not just anything goes. There are times, there are places for things. It's time to cut up. Kids need to play. There's time to romp and jump and yell and I mean, let her rip. Hmm? Yeah. And, and it's time for adults to play. Is that right? I mean, fire the bike up and blow some leaves off the road. Ski and scare all the fish. Huh? Play. A lot of people are, they're not right because they're warped. They don't know how to have fun. They want to sit around and, and act holy and, and sober. And they're hypocrites because they don't act that way at home. We want God in everything. We want God in our church, yeah. But we want God in our barbecue too. Right? God when we wash our car. We want God when we play everything. We don't leave him at the church when we leave here. Right? But we know when to change hats. We know when to get quiet. We know when to show respect. We know when to hold on, hold on. Now this is not a garage sale here. This is the things of God. Right? Don't mean you become depressed about it. It just means you show it the appropriate dignity and respect. Can you say amen? Amen. Everybody say this out loud. Pray it sincerely. Say, Father God, God, we ask you you, as Faith Life Church, Church, reveal this to us. us. Teach us us. the fullness fullness. of the glory of of your things. Reveal to us, us. show us us. how to relate to, how to to handle, how to see, how to to deal with all of your things in the perfect way, in the right way that you might be exalted, that you might be glorified and reveal yourself to us. And through us. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. You believing with me? We can. You know we're so blessed. I'm thankful. But we can reach some high places my friend. We can reach some high places in God. In showing him the proper respect and glory. And friend he will not just see these things and hear them. He will respond to them. He will respond to them. When you live like the Lord tells you to live, when you do what he tells you to do, he is going to show up in your life. Do you understand that? You are not going to just obey God, obey God, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, show honor him and show him respect, and then him be distant from you like he's on the other side of the universe. No. You obey him. We have the word of God for it. It's our text. You obey him. And what did he say? He said, I 
will make myself real to you. I will show myself to you. I will make myself known to you. God's going to show up in your life. Things are going to happen for you. Things are going to happen in you. They're going to go right for you. You're going to be spared problems. You're going to have blessing after blessing. And other people will see it. They'll see it. And God will be glorified. I said God will be glorified. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Let's keep reading this. In like manner, the deacons must be worthy of respect. Not shifty and double talkers, but sincere in what they say. Not given to much wine, not greedy for base gain. Craving wealth and resorting to ignoble and dishonest methods of getting it. Verse 10, let them be tried and proved first. Verse 11, the women must be worthy of respect. Do you see how many times you're hearing the words respect and dignity? Respect. And they're not talking about pompous pride. It's just knowing what's important and treating it like it's important. He goes on to talk about these things. And in verse 15, he says that you may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. That's what we just got through praying. We're asking the Lord, show us. And, of course, he showed us here, but he revealed what this means to us, how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. He went on to say it's the church of the living God. And great and important and weighty is the hidden truth. God was made visible. He was manifested. He was shown in the flesh, justified, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Is that still the will of God? For God to be revealed in us, manifested through us, and people, even ungodly, people see and hear And they don't just see us, they see God in us. They hear God through us. And so they believe on Him. Oh, glory to God. And they're added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Would you stand up on your feet, please? Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.